Welcome to What God is Teaching. This podcast is all about what God is teaching my friends and me as we walk with Jesus by studying the Bible and being led by the Holy Spirit. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode four. Today we're going to talk about having a godly perspective, and I have one of my best friends on to talk about this today, um, and he's just going to introduce himself. What's up, guys? My name is Brandon. I'm currently a junior at Liberty University. Um, I'm studying theology and apologetics, and yeah, I've just been friends with Josiah for, man, many years, a long time. Thanks, dude. Um, So when me and Brandon talked about this a little bit before, Brandon told me that God had been teaching him about having the right perspective towards certain circumstances. And he said that uh, God had been teaching them that through James 1, 1 through 12. So he's just going to read that scripture. All right, let's read it. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion greeting. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for one who doubts is like a wave in the sea and is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. For he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flowers fall, and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he stood the test he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. So what has God been teaching you through this passage? Bro, God's been teaching me all sorts of different things. It's just funny how when James goes through this, you know, I told you that I've been learning about just perspective. And the part that I've been learning about perspective is what perspective you need to have on life because we choose what we have. And in James, he's talking about trials, things that you're going through. And he says... You can't be looking at the trial right here and now when you're going through it, but you have to look through the trial. You need to have joy in that. And he's like, from these trials, you should produce steadfastness or endurance to go through these. And he's basically saying, these trials make you to become a better person. I was actually reading into this a little bit more, and the word test um, is used more of like a silver or metal worker. You know, Francis Chan, I was uh, watching one of his videos and he used this, and it's like, when you heat up the metal, it brings all the impar- or all the imperfectness up to the top, and then you scrape it away, and you keep repeating the process. And all these trials are that for us. They're supposed to make us better and better so that at the end of our life, when Jesus looks down at us, he just sees a reflection of himself like the metal worker does with the silver. And that's one of the biggest things that I've just been learning is the perspective that I need to have on my life needs to be that of the betterness of the betterness for the kingdom of God. And this is what James is kind of talking about here. Yeah, that's awesome. So what comes to mind when I'm thinking, we're obviously in like a weird uh, like situation right now because with coronavirus and everything, we're on stay at home orders. And it's this passage is really interesting because 
in uh, verse one, he talks about who he's talking to, and he says that it's to the tribes of the, of the dispersion, and that's talking about in Acts eight when they're uh, they're scattered by persecution, um, and he's telling them like, stay stead or this trial that you're going through is going to produce steadfastness. So, uh, and then we think about like the persecuted church today, and a lot of them have to like meet in their homes, and they're not really they they can't meet in large gatherings, um, and we're not being the church in America isn't really being persecuted at all to that degree, but uh, we're kind of in a similar situation with being uh, like not being able to gather and any, and everything like that. So uh, how do you think this passage relates to the situation that we're in right now? Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that just kind of hit me was it's so relevant to us today. You know, it's just the we're kind of all just scattered um, in this time because we can't meet in person, the church. Um, you know, we're not in a church building anymore. We're in homes. You know, you're either watching um, it online or just doing your own studies and stuff. And this passage relates to today because I think a lot of people you can just see on social media, they're so focused on the here and now. Um, what are what are we doing? You know, they're complaining. They're saying this needs to happen. The government needs to do this. But James is saying, why are you talking about this? Because you need to say, what can I do now or how can I get through this for the joy like with the perspective of what am I going to do to glorify God right now? And he says, you need to get, look out of this situation, past this situation where you are. And that's what I've personally struggled with because at the beginning, just the part about perspective is you can come into this and being, you know, we had to leave Liberty. We had to come back home. You know, uh, had to, couldn't really say goodbye to all our friends. Half my junior year got cut. Or you can look at it as I get to go home. I get to see my family. God's bringing me home. And you just have a different perspective about it because when you have a perspective about yourself, you're being a double-minded person that James is talking about. And he says, when you're going through these trials, you need to ask for wisdom. And he doesn't say, like, just ask for wisdom. You need to ask without doubt. And it's not the doubt like we think of, of questioning. It's more of the doubt like you're better. Like he says, if you're, doubt, if you're asking in doubt, you're saying that your character is better than God's. Mm -hmm. And God will give you the wisdom if you're asking in faith because you trust him. He is the almighty God. He's not going to give you just a lack of wisdom. He's going to give you all the wisdom you need to get through the situation if you ask for it. So that's kind of what we need to be doing in this situation is we need to be going to the Lord, asking him what does he want us to do right now, and not doubt his character that he's not going to pull us through because he will. Yeah, that's really awesome that you bring that up about uh, asking for wisdom. Uh, and in this passage, he's talking about like asking, seeing wisdom in you see these trials as producing steadfastness. And that's the wisdom we need from God is to be able to see these trials as producing endurance and producing steadfastness and producing character and drawing us near to the Lord rather than just seeing them as uh, like something that's hard for no reason. And the really awesome thing is that like God is gracious and he's merciful and he wants to give us this wisdom. Like he doesn't want mm. to hold it back from us. Like it's something that he wants to give to us. I actually had a friend say to me one time that doubting that God can give you this wisdom, like asking for it in doubt is like going to McDonald's with Bill Gates and doubting that he can buy you a cheeseburger when he <laughs> says he'll buy you a cheeseburger. Like the dude has, the dude has millions of dollars and he can definitely buy you that cheeseburger. God has like all the wisdom in the world. And he can definitely give you wisdom when you ask in faith, but we can't doubt because like you said, um, that's really doubting God's character. That's doubting that he's able to give it to you. Yeah, I mean, 
and when I was just going through this, and James, one of the things that he talks about in the letter of James that I love is he talks about genuine faith. Mm-hmm. And every single passage or something he's stating, he gets to the knit and grit about everything and honestly just offends people. Mm-hmm. And he talks about things that you need to have to ge- have genuine faith. And I think if you're not trying to examine your own life and heart to see if you are a double-minded person, because I think us all being humans, in some ways we are, like, did you wake up this morning and ask for wisdom for God? Because if you didn't, maybe you didn't have the first thing in your mind that you don't need him for today. But at the same time, you didn't humble yourself to ask for it today. You know, we need to not just have the wisdom to go through a whole season, but we need to have the wisdom to go through every day. We need to ask for that daily bread from him. You know, yeah. Um, so back to what you were talking about, about uh, people focusing too too much on the here and now and not looking forward. Um, I'm wondering if you can answer this question for me. So in James 4, later in the book, um, James says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. So, um, how do we balance, like, not worrying so much about tomorrow? And, uh, I'm sorry, how do we balance not focusing so much on the here and now and looking forward uh, with still knowing that we might not have tomorrow? Because James says that that boasting is arrogant and we shouldn't boast as if we know we're going to have tomorrow. And he says, like, you can't even say that you know you're going to go into this town and make a profit. You have to say if the Lord wills because God is sovereign and he really wills what we're going to do and where we're going to go. So where do we find that balance between not focusing so much on the here and now and looking forward um, to things that Jesus will provide, but not getting so caught up in tomorrow that we forget about today? Yeah, and that's such a hard question because it's like one of the easiest sins someone told me is to worry, you know, and it's a thing that we do so easily. And the hard part and the find a balance between focusing in here um, and focusing ahead, um, I think, is all of what are your intentions of, you know. Um, I think for here and now, that should be our primary focus of what we're doing. But when we're looking towards the future and what's to come, we should not be looking for that for selfish gain. Because if we're looking for it for selfish gain, that's when I think God has all authority to do what he wants. And he will do what he wants. And every day is a gift and we need to have that. And I think James is just stating here is, we need to have this mind and this just this humility that we are blessed to have another day to live because everything comes from the Lord. He's pretty much just trying to push. Like that they're able to go to this town and make a fortune, that's from the Lord. For you to be able to open your church back up and have more people in, that's a blessing from the Lord. So I think especially like here and now, like some people or churches are like focusing okay, how can we reach these people? How we're not in a building, how are we meeting? And so they're looking towards the future. What can we do when we get back? And I don't think that's wrong because they're looking of how they can serve the others. But when they start flipping it for selfish gain, that's when I think they're doing it for the wrong perspective. Mm-hmm. And that's really, uh, that's really interesting that you say that because earlier in the book of James, uh, in James 3 verses 14 and 15, 
James actually says that selfish ambition in the hearts is unspiritual, earthly, and demonic. So, like, uh, that's really good that you say that, that we shouldn't be looking for tomorrow for um, for selfish gain because James actually says that that's demonic, like it's literally of Satan. Yeah. Um, and I, I heard John Piper say one day that um, every day he prays, Lord, if I just get one more day, let me glorify you. And I really think um, we actually see that attitude with Paul in Acts chapter 20 as well when he talks about, uh, he gathers the Ephesian elders and he tells them, I, I do not value my I do not value my life as dear to me and as long as I can finish the course of the grace of the gospel of God uh, like that's all I need if I get one more day like I just want to live it for Jesus and I just want uh, to spread the gospel and I just want to glorify God but if I don't um, then there's no point really you know mm-hmm. yeah and that's just earlier in James 1 and the later another kind of thing that he talks about is sin is not from the Lord actually us being sinful humans we get ourselves into a lot of those things you talk about temptation we tempt ourselves just because of our sinful nature um and it's kind of like um let me go to it real quick uh and he says so in verse 16 chapter 1 verse 16 he says do not be deceived my beloved brothers every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the father to the light of the light with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he will be brought us forth of the, the word of truth that we should be kind and fruitfuls, and kind of fruitfuls, kind of fruit, okay, and for his <laughs> creatures. And he's pretty much just saying, everything good comes from the Lord, so we cannot have something, nothing will good, nothing good will come from our own works. It comes from the Lord. And he's mm-hmm. saying that these people... You know, we have these temptations and it's pretty much just our soul just learning and longing. You know, there's something over here that's luring you and tempting you and it's your own sinful nature. And he says you need to turn around and run from that and come to me. And every time you do that, every time you commit on the sin, I think you saw it. It's like it's like a he gives an illustration of like childbirth. Mm-hmm. And it's when you get it, sin gets conceived and it's death and it brings just terrible torment to like your life and it continues to happen it's just like a dead fetus is just there that's what Paul, uh, james uses this um just analogy of um you want to dive in on that a little bit more yeah so when uh so in verse 14 when when james says let no one say when he is tempted i am being tempted by god for god cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one and that's really strong language like the language he uses when he says let no one say it's called an imperative like he's saying don't you dare think that God is tempting you because God doesn't tempt. And then he says in verse uh, 14, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. And the imagery here is that it's, it's really graphic. It's that of a stillborn baby. It's saying like, there's all this anticipation when a woman is pregnant of something that's really going to be joy, that's going to be joyful and it's going to be bring pleasure. And uh, that's how we often feel with our sin. It says we're enticed by our own desires. And when we're desiring sin, we're, we're desiring things that are not of God. And we really want those. And we think it's going to bring joy. And then once it's conceived, once we actually act on it, it just brings sorrow and sadness and disappointment. And ultimately, it brings death, like in Romans 6, verse 23, where it says the wages of sin is death. And that's what sin um, will ultimately bring. Um, and then it says every good gift and every perfect gift gift is from above 
coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So really like as we're talking about perspective, the right perspective on life is you hear so much now um, with like the new age movement or anything like that to look within yourself uh, for truth, to look at within yourself for fulfillment. And that's really so wrong uh, uh, to what the Bible says, like within yourself is more sin. And in Jeremiah 17 verse nine, it says that the heart is desperately wicked. And then in Matthew 15 verse 19, uh, Jesus says that out of the heart comes evil thoughts and slander and murder. So we see that when we look in, when we look to our own hearts, that's completely the wrong perspective to have mm-hmm. because we just find more and more sin and we find how depraved we are. Uh, it was John Calvin that said our hearts are relentless idol factories. Like that's the heart of every human being. So the right perspective is not to look in at yourself, but to look out to God and every good gift and every perfect gift gift comes from him. Like nothing good can come from within ourselves. Yeah, and it's just today we're promoting this thing, do what's best for you. And it's just completely the wrong mentality to what the Bible teaches, completely opposite because the Bible teaches that we need to be humble in humility and that's not working for ourselves or doing things for ourselves to glorify ourselves. And doing things that best suit yourself, honestly, I think is a complete mentality because before you said try to honor yourself or figure out what's best for you, you need to see what's best for God and what mm-hmm. he wants you to do. And that's the hardest, I think, even for many Christians, you know, they look at something like, oh, this isn't, this just isn't right with me, but have you prayed about it? Do you, like, have you gone to God about it? Where are you at with that? Because, honestly, God's opinion matters most, and maybe when you pray, you won't hear anything. Maybe it's just silence. And then I think that's when God is telling you that you need to be more in his presence in that moment for that, and maybe you need to fast on that. And just go deeper into his presence because I think we really lack that presence just to hear and see what he wants us to do for certain situations. Mm-hmm. And I think as you're talking about prayer and like being in the presence of Lord of the Lord, it's also really important to make sure um, like we're in the word. Like in Psalm 1, it says, uh, blessed is the man who not, walks not in the counsel of the wicked, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. Um, so as we're talking about perspective, like the right perspective again is uh, like not to look into yourself and that's actually like walking in the counsel of the wicked, but looking to God and prayer and fasting um, and his word. Yeah, and I just want to challenge everyone that's listening to this that how are you going through this trial right now that we're going through with the coronavirus? I mean, what are you doing in this trial? Someone asked me that and it's like, the best thing that you can do is I'm pretty sure you have your free schedule. Like everybody, you're just maybe stuck at home or doing more things. And honestly, you should have more free time. And find a routine to where you are constantly in the mm-hmm. word or just have set aside time to be in God's presence right now. Because there's no better time to do it than right now. And then if you think down the road, like getting up in the morning or just being in the word should be a daily routine that mm-hmm. everything else revolves around. We should not try to fit the Bible into our time but our time into the word of God and the presence of God. And someone said, you know, you can be able to get so old where you have grandkids and you say your grandson or someone looks at you and you're like, oh, pops, what are you doing? And you're like, I'm reading the Bible. He's like, oh, really? How often do you do that? He's like, I haven't missed a day in like how many years? (laughs) Yeah. And like how awesome do you want to be, not for yourself, but just to say that you were a faithful servant of the Lord, that you wanted set aside time every single debate every single day for like 30 something years to be in the word and then your grandkids Mm -hmm. see that your kids see that i mean we have the power 
to show people how to truly live, I think, in the presence of God, and we take that for granted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. Um, yeah, when you're talking about getting in the Word, I, I saw a quote by John Piper, I love John Piper, <laughs> that said, uh, Satan devotes 168 hours a week to trying to deceive you, and you think a 10-minute glance at God's Word is going to defi- suffice to protect your soul. Mm. And I think that's really how a lot... Uh, a lot of people won't admit it, but I think that's how a lot of people are today. Like we're just glancing at the Bible and not really digging into it. Um, and really what this comes down to is like, uh, as we're talking about perspective, when Paul says to look to the things above and not the things below, like that's what this is, is we're, we're not trying to build some kingdom on earth. Um, we're not trying to build an earthly kingdom. We're trying to expand the kingdom of God and that will come to earth one day. But as for like material and all these things that we're doing in vain, which Solomon and Ecclesiastes would call chasing after the wind, um, like those things aren't really going to matter in the end. And what's going to matter is how much that uh, we get in the word, how much we know God and and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how much of what you're doing, I would take a self check. Are you is actually going to have eternal benefit, you know, watching a Netflix, binging a Netflix season, that has no benefit for me. All it has is honestly just depriving my attention from everything else that I have doing because that takes a hold of me. And that literally Satan has a hold on that, I think, on so many people. And it's like, okay, we're finishing out school. We shouldn't, yes, I think reading the word is more important than that, but we should do everything to glorify and honor God. So we should be trying to finish our studies to the best of our ability so it honors and glorifies God rather than maybe just doing something else. Or even when you go back to work, you know, you should mm-hmm. not do it with the perspective of just, oh, I'm back here or something. Like, you need to do everything to the best to glorify and honor God. Mm-hmm. But I think watching Netflix does not do that. There's nothing on there that it does that. There's nothing in doing something else. And this is, like, the best time to reach out to others and pray for them and just see what they can do. Like, you can't be there physically, but I think this is definitely a time to where you truly see everyone's colors of where they are and who is really going to be there for you. Who is reaching out to you? Who are you reaching out to that means most that you want to help with their walk right now? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's really good. The I think about like all the things that we do in a day that really just distract us. Uh, like you were saying, like Netflix or you're on social media. And we, we had an episode on that. Um, the last episode is actually on that. And a thing that I think about a lot is like just how sinful and depraved we are. And um, like we do all these things and then a lot of the time we just kind of leave God behind, you know. Um, And one thing that I thought about, I heard someone say one time is that we most of us eat like three times a day. And that's probably around an hour a day if you eat quickly uh, that that we eat. But then we're not spending time in the word. So we're we're feeding our stomachs. And then we're not feeding our souls like we're starving our souls. We're starving ourselves spiritually. And then we're feeding our stomachs and we're we're filling our mind with garbage through like through Netflix and social media and and whatever. Um, And then we don't come to the word. And I think that relates to what you were talking about with like building people up in their faith and things like that. Um, I'm reading through the book, the, the book of Acts right now. And one thing I noticed with Paul is that uh, whenever he goes to the churches, it says that he encouraged them and then and then he left. Um, so I think that's a really important thing during this time is that we encourage each other and like, we can't meet in community like we usually could. Um, but to just check up on people and say like, how's your time in the word checking up on people, um, to see how their time with God is because that's, what's going to matter, you know? Yeah. And the last thing that I just want to hit that James talks about is to be genuine in your faith. He says, we need to do be doers of the word and not just hearers. Mm-hmm. 
So yes, when you are reading the word, don't just read it and ignore what you read, but be a doer of it. And he's speaking, and I think that's hard for the church today because a lot of people go into a church service, they sit, and they just get fed, and then they go home, and they act like nothing happened. Um, you have to be doer of the word. You just got to be someone that you get fed something, you feed yourself with the Holy Spirit from the word and just these, just honestly wisdom from God. But you can't just ignore that. You need to be doers of the word. When you're checking up on people, you need to live a life that is setting an example for them. You can't be hypocrites and double-minded that James is talking about in passage in chapter 1. But later in chapter 1, in verses 19 through 26, he talks about we need to be doers of the word and not just hearing what we do. That's the last thing that I want to be going off of. Yeah, that's a really good point. He, he actually compares it to like a person looking intently at himself in the mirror and then walking away from the mirror and forgetting what he looks like. And the point is like, you shouldn't have even looked in the mirror. What was the point? You know, like if yeah. we're not doing what the word says um, is we, there was no point of really reading it, you know? Um, and what you were saying about people in the, I think we're really seeing like who can, who's has been being spoon fed like mm. before this time, because now that we're, in quarantine and stay at home orders, uh, you can't really get spoon fed anymore by a pastor. You can't go yeah. to a church and get like your weekly fix. Like we have to learn to pick this book up and feed ourselves and then act on it. Um, and like true worship is obedience. So like just reading this word, uh, and knowing it isn't enough. He actually says later, uh, he quotes Deuteronomy six and he says that the people that, uh, he's writing to knows that God is one. So they even had good theology. Um, but, and then he says, even the demons believe in shudder. So like even having good theology, so does, so does Satan. Satan has good theology. Satan knows the truth about God and he just doesn't obey. He doesn't come under its authority. Yeah. So knowing the truth about God uh, isn't enough. We have to act on it or, or I think that knowledge is in vain. Um, but yeah, that's a really good, good point that you bring up. Um, well, it was nice having you on today. Thanks for coming on and uh, we'll yeah. see you guys later. See you guys. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to follow What God is Teaching on Instagram for updates, and we will see you next time.